This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Teams that have been divided out here between red team and white team, that's how we're going to play the game. I just found that fairly simple. I had to move a couple guys so that we had full special teams on both teams, but it's actually worked out pretty well, and we'll see how that fits Saturday. This spring has been a, a real learning process for me. I felt like I was... I was developed in those four weeks way better than I ever was. Uh, Coach Langstorff really, he really came at us, you know, with his NFL ways, and we uh, kind of latched onto it. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be electric. You know what I mean? I've never seen anything like it. Most of the spring games I've been around, you might have had 2,000 people, maybe. You know what I mean? So excited to see the Nebraska crowd and what Husker Nation's all about. Pretty awesome. I'm really excited. I feel like. You know, I'm just blessed to be in this situation, so I just want to show my show my talents, show what I've been coached to do, show, you know, the whole Husker Nation how I can play. And that sets the scene here for another edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, Dan Hoppin. 14 spring practices now in the books for the Huskers as they get into spring practice here in the red-white game on Saturday. And you heard A.J. Bush there, Mike Cavanaugh, and head coach, Mike Riley as uh, we we get ready for this red white game on Saturday and uh, it's going to be interesting because you know he's going to AJ Bush is going to be on um, one team Tommy Armstrong is going to be on the other team and I think that's probably uh, to me one of the more intriguing storylines to see these two guys play uh, we know Tommy's got the experience the leadership and and whatnot but AJ Bush has had a great spring and we've seen it we've heard it from other people and now 75,000 people on Saturday are going to make their own uh, opinions on kind of where these quarterbacks are at. Yeah, it's easily the most uh, intriguing storyline of the spring. You know, has been before they even started practicing. Uh, and I think I like the way that Matt Riley decided to break the teams up, just kind of sticking with the same red-white <clears throat> team format that they've used all spring. That way you got a little bit of familiarity there. So uh, you got quarterbacks working with receivers that, you know, they, they've been throwing to the past four weeks and uh, got an offensive line in front of them that, you know, that they're familiar with. So uh, I think that it should, you know, at least allow for a little bit better execution. I mean, just, just in terms that regard but uh, what I really want to see is these quarterbacks throw against these defenses in a, in a live scrimmage situation where they're actually going to be hit uh, you know AJ Bush made the comment uh, yesterday when we talked to him uh, that uh, he the last time he was actually tackled was during the bye week of last season and so that, I mean this is going to be live bullets for the first time for him uh, and you know for a lot of these guys a lot of these young guys that you know really uh, haven't been in this type of environment in this setting in front of 70,000 people so it, uh, it should be fun to see how they react. And yeah, you you always have to be really careful with taking too much out of spring game results. I mean, every year we see a couple guys who blow up in the spring game and then, you know, are kind of never heard of again. But this is really A.J. Bush's first time to kind of show what he's got on the big stage. I mean, fans have been hearing about him for, you know, at least the last couple weeks, maybe even going back to last fall, you know, um, about how impressive this guy looks and how, you know, he could potentially be the best of the entire group when it's all said and done. Well, this is kind of his first chance to show that. And there's some pressure involved there. How he responds to that is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, how he responds to, to kind of the that live atmosphere uh, when, you know, when, when uh, you're not just going on air, I think is going to be uh, very telling and, and kind of maybe give you a, a glimpse into, you know, what the competition is going to be like between those two guys, you know, come next fall or if he's ready to, to take that step as, as potentially, you know, unseating Tommy Armstrong. You know, guys, it's refreshing, too, to just to hear Mike Riley and Mike Cavanaugh and the new staff talk about what they're about to walk into on Saturday, 75,000 people. And, and we take it for granted. We've been around Nebraska most of our lives and covering the team uh, for quite some time. And, and the spring games have always been over 60,000 since 2004. But, you know, you, you heard Mike Cavanaugh say at Oregon State they would get about 2,000 people for their spring game. And so Saturday, walking into what they're going to see, uh, it's going to give them a, just a taste uh, of what that BYU opener is going to be like. And I think going to really solidify their reasoning why they left Oregon State after being at Oregon State for so long. Yeah, I mean, you know, talking to the defensive line coach, Hank Hughes, yesterday, somebody asked him about, you know, potentially having 65, 75,000 people at the spring game. And he's like, well, that'll be great, but I can't wait till the 92,000 that come on Saturdays in the fall. So these guys, they understand what they're walking into. They're embracing it, and they're excited. You can tell that. 
Yeah, I think the players even kind of take it for granted a little bit. You know, the the coaches are all, you know, pretty excited about, you know, what the experience is going to be like. But the players, you know, they've been around it and, and they seem like it's no big deal. But uh, uh, you can tell the coaches are, are pretty fired up. Weather should not be a factor right now. Uh, temperatures look to be sunny, 72. There's also a baseball game Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, so there is a lot going on, a track meet in Lincoln it's a great deal to take young kids to. You know, a lot of families out there listening to the podcast have kids that are grade school or even younger, and they can't really take them to a true Husker game. The spring game is perfect because it lasts about two hours. Uh, you can get them in for free if they take part in the drug-free challenge. There's a lot of activities and things going on in Lincoln. It's just a great starter for a lot of young kids out there, and, and that's what typically what you see. You don't get – the traditional game day crowd. Now, some people will tailgate and, and make something out of it and, and, and have some fun, but uh, Nebraska spring game has definitely become a phenomenon. Guys, let's talk about offense now more as we move this podcast on and uh, and look in the red-white spring game. A couple of the other things I'm going to be looking at more is the running back position just because you heard it. They have not tackled much at all or done really any type of live scrimmaging. Now, Mike Riley has said that they plan on – doing some live tackling and being live in the red-white game. He's not 100% sure, but as of Wednesday, that was the direction he was leaning. Um, it's going to give us a good indicator, I think, of just maybe which one of these or two of these running backs have pulled away, Robin. Yeah, and there's definitely going to be tackling. I think he was more referring to the quarterbacks being uh, open for contact, and right now he's going to let them uh, take all the hits that they can get, so uh, that'll be fun to see. But uh, as far as those running backs go, yeah, I agree. I mean, the the amount of, you know, live scrimmage situations that they've done has been minimal at best, and so they've they've got to look – at you know what these guys bring to the table but that's one position you know that pretty much anything in in the box like there with the front sevens and uh running game you really can't get a, a good feel uh, for what you have until guys are out there actually playing football and so i think that's going to be one of the biggest goals you know they're going to have a really scaled back offense they're not going to do anything fancy uh, so you're going to see a lot of runs between the tackles and that'll be a great chance for not only the running backs but the offensive line to show what they can do I and mean, when they find things finally uh, get turned on for real and you know guys are actually you you know, hitting and taken to the ground and, you know, be able to break tackles. And so I think more than anything, it's just going to be uh, how the guys respond to their, you know, most, uh, the, the biggest test of physicality they've had all spring. And a wild card name we've heard this week at running back has been Graham Nabity. Um, you know, it's all, it's always been Terrell Newby, Adam Taylor, Mikhail Wilbon, Amani Cross, uh, but Mike Riley and Mark uh, and Danny Langstorff threw in a wild card name and Graham Nabity. And it's interesting, Nate, because, you know, I think sometimes with another another staff, especially at a high-profile position like running back, you, you almost don't want to give that type of walk-on guy that type of chance because it makes your recruiting look pretty bad. But these guys, they didn't recruit any of these players. They're just looking at what they see in practice, and they, they like Graham Nabity, and, and that, that's been one of the bigger surprises. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you have a – a walk-on that emerges at a high-profile position. It can be somewhat of an indictment on your recruiting. Um, you know, there's there's two ways to look at it, I guess. You know, either either it, it's an indictment on your recruiting or you can say that uh, you did an excellent job of developing that player or that you found, you know, a, a hidden gem and was able to, to get them to walk on and, and, you know, turn them into a productive player. But uh, And I think that's what you have at Graham Nabity. Um, and he's getting, his, he's getting his chance with the staff. And he's taking full advantage of it, too. He's looked very good. Dan, what's your take on the running backs for Saturday? Well, I think it's going to be fascinating for us to watch, too. I mean, we've gotten a lot of questions on the message board about the running backs. And even watching practice, you know, you guys have all mentioned it. We haven't seen a lot of tackling. So it has been kind of hard to evaluate, you know, these guys on a real scale. We've seen them catch a lot of passes and things like that. But we haven't seen them, you know, go to the ground a whole lot. So this is going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of get a look at them, too. And Right now, you know, it's it's just so hard to tell who, you know, if there is any separation between those four, and if you want to throw Nabity in there, those five guys, you know, we've seen them all get, you know, significant amount of time with the first team. Who emerges from that? We don't really have a great idea right now. I think Saturday will start to at least give us some clues. The only tackling we saw on Wednesday was uh, when Brandon Riley took out a Daily Nebraska reporter on the sideline. <laughs> it was the hit of the spring as uh, an ill-advised young reporter from Daily Nebraska worked his way in between the two huddles, and Brandon Riley completely blindsided him. So that, that was probably the, the hit of the spring that we saw. Let, let's move it over, guys, to the wide receiver position. You know, the, the, the same three guys, I, I think we're all on board, are, are the top guys at this point, Pearsonell, Westerkamp, and, and Brandon Riley. 
but I, I think when you, you go past that, I mean, there's been some other intriguing guys that we've seen. Lane Hovey, I know Robin and Dan and Nate, that's a guy we've talked about at practice. Um, Dryat Tolbert has looked good at times. Uh, I mean, who are some other guys? Or, or talk about some of these guys and what, what you're looking forward to seeing. Well, it's really going to be, it's disappointing that Glenn Irons isn't going to play. Uh, he's out with an injury. I mean, he was a guy that uh, had a lot of uh, uh, showed a lot of flashes in the reps that he was getting, you know, through the first you know three weeks of spring. Uh, so, you know, certainly disappointing not having him in there because I think he could fill a lot of the same role as Demorne Pearson L. And I think we still continue will to uh, this coming season. But um, yeah, that's one guy I was hoping to see. But uh, looking beyond that, you know, I think Alonzo Moore is probably one of the biggest wild cards in that receiving group just because you know he obviously has uh, all the physical tools you know with his speed and um, you know his size to, to, to be a real impact player but you know can he catch the ball when the pressure is on yeah you, I go I feel like it's you go through practices where you notice Alonzo more and then you mm-hmm. don't notice him yeah, like exactly. we noticed him on Saturday and then on Wednesday I didn't notice him at all and I was he even practicing I mean I, I feel like I didn't see him really do anything in practice Wednesday yeah so he's one of the more frustrating guys I mean just because he'll, he'll have a play where you know he'll catch a, a crossing route and just completely burn everyone in the secondary for a touchdown and then disappear for an entire practice and so that's that's somebody that I think could be a huge boost to the not only the receiving core but the offense as a whole if he can really find a way to flip the switch and uh, be more consistent and then you've got a guy like Jamal Turner who's been part of the Nebraska all hype team for the past four years he's been the captain of it. yes he, he's been the, he's been an all-star uh, on that team but you know we've never really fully seen him whether it's been injuries or inconsistencies or anything we've never really seen him get a chance now the question is with a new staff will he get that chance or does he just kind of fall by the wayside and we've seen him already this this spring he's dealt with injuries and he sat out um, mostly of uh of Wednesday's practice with injuries so you know this is really his last shot if he doesn't make any kind of impact now you know it's now or never this is the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're talking offensive storylines as we get ready for the big red-white spring game on Saturday. The tight end position, I'm not going to get too much into that, but Seathan Carter out for the spring suffered uh, another injury to that same foot that he injured in the fall. But I'll tell you the one guy, I'm really intrigued to watch Luke McNitt on Saturday. Um, you just look at him physically. He's a good-looking athlete to get this guy for free as a walk-on. I mean, he looks a lot better than some of the scholarship players at tight end, and um, I think he's somebody that it could open some eyes on Saturday. Absolutely. That's a guy we've seen make several plays in practice. Like you mentioned, he's obviously a fabulous athlete. You know, he's still kind of learning the position. He's going to have to, um, you know, kind of relearn how to block and do all those sort of things. But as far as just running routes and catching the ball – that's a type of guy who can have an impact, and he could be one of those spring game warriors that we've seen in the past. Let's move it on now to the offensive line. Uh, talking to offensive line coach Mike Cavanaugh, he specifically said two guys have had good springs, and no surprise, Alex Lewis um, is kind of a mainstay at left tackle. Uh, but Nate, the other guy he threw out was Chungo Condolo on the offensive line as somebody that's really caught his eye and emerged. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's what you want to see out of a guy like Chongo Condolo, who, you know, Nebraska brought in as a junior college player, actually redshirted him his first year, um, you know, got him acclimated, kind of, you know, uh, tested, uh, you know, him around at playing some center, some guard. But uh, uh, you wanted to see an older guy like that kind of take hold of, uh, of one of those guard positions uh, that's open right now. And, and he's done that. And, and uh, now you just want to see how everything else shakes out. And you've heard Mike Riley talk about the center position yesterday, uh, that it is really the the biggest question on the line because Ryan Reeves is not out there. Um, You have uh, Thurston doing doing reps there right now. Utter can play center. Uh, Robbie Painter, a walk-on, has been playing some center. Um, so it, it is kind of a mystery, and I think Ryan Reeves is why that center position, Robin, is a mystery. Yeah, I, if he's healthy, he's the clear starter at the center spot, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, yesterday, Riley said that that was, you know, that and the depth at linebacker, you know, the depth at center and linebacker were his two biggest concerns, you know, coming out of spring, and uh, for good reason. I mean, they just don't have bodies at either 
either of those positions. And uh, right now, he said they only have two true centers in Reeves and Thurston. And so, uh, I mean, they're they're trying to work other guys. Uh, you mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Dwayne Johnson is another guy. The other day, I saw getting snaps. Uh, so they're they're working a, a lot of guys to try and at least provide some depth in case they get in a pinch uh, with injuries down the road. Because you know, with Ryan Reeves' uh, injury history, I don't know if you can actually bank on him making it through a full season at this point, just because he's never done it. Another guy, I was a little surprised. You know, Gibbons Price has had kind of a quiet spring. I think you would maybe have thought he'd emerge as in that upper group with Lewis and Condolo. It tells me that the door still is very much open for Zach Stirrup when he comes back at that right tackle. So a guy like Nick Gates could could grasp onto that spot, Dan. Absolutely. And another guy that we've seen working at right tackle all spring, um, he's mostly been at left tackle in the press, but is David Neville. You know, maybe he's not an instant impact type of guy, but if he can continue to progress maybe he's a guy who could see playing time there but you're absolutely absolutely right you know with given price being a veteran you kind of expected him to grab hold of that right tackle spot especially with zach stirrup out but it just hasn't happened yet matt finnan's someone we i would say is also in that mix right now yeah he's been working more on the left side in the spring but absolutely he's played in the right side in the past and he could swing back over there if he needed to very much wide open. Guys, we'll take a break here. We come back on the podcast. We'll shift over and talk a little defense. You're listening to the HOL Podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What I've noticed, it, it'll be my first picture of what the football deal looks like, but I've been impressed with that at the baseball games, the basketball games. I mean, the crowds, the enthusiasm for the event. I mean, every time it seems to be something that's going on, a game here, it's a big deal. And uh, I like that. People care and they love their team. And I think that's just awesome. And the passion for it, we're proud to represent it, proud to be here. I'm excited to see it in the football stadium with our team. It just kind of shows what they talk about all the time, the greatest fans in the country. And they believe it, obviously, and I think that's neat. And that was Mike Riley talking about getting his first taste of a Husker game day at the Red-White Spring Game. Welcome back to the HOL Podcast. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus. And it's just refreshing. I mean, could Bo Pelini have just done that one time where he just kind of just let people want to hear what they want to hear? And, you know, you, you heard Mike Riley just, he's so appreciative of everything at Nebraska. And I think that is so important to people here. And, um, it will be interesting to hear his thoughts when he gets to experience that first red-white game on Saturday. Yeah, you talked about Bo doing that. I mean, it, it's just sometimes you just got to kind of fluff the fan base a little bit, so to speak, uh, and just pad, pad the egos because uh, it's true. I mean, there's it's rare that you find, you know, not only just a, for football support, but university athletic support as a whole uh, that, that you do at Nebraska. I mean, there are people that turn out to watch bowling matches. I mean, it, it's that, it runs that deep that if, if Nebraska is playing athletics, no matter what the event, uh, people are going to show up and support it. Yeah, it's nice to have someone kind of placate to the to the fan base a little bit, and instead of giving you a, a uh, you know you saw it, what what you think or, or something like that. So uh, <laughs> it's 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 nice to it's refreshing. I'll, I'll just say that it's refreshing to, to hear it and uh, and to have you know coaches uh, that are legitimately excited for you know uh, what they have in, in their fan base and and uh, you know the people that support them. And Nebraska fans just like to hear people say how good they are. I can still remember back in the day when they were in the 90s, Lee Corso would be on college game day in a sports bar, and the whole sports bar would be quiet to hear what Lee Corso would say about Nebraska. And I just Husker fans want you to talk about them, and, they, and Mike Riley gets that, and I think that's important. Yeah. Mac Brown also gets that, too. My- <laughs> Well, He's the king of that. Let's move the focus over now to defense as we get ready for the red-white spring game. And I think for us, we've been able to see Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine um, go throughout the spring. And uh, that will be interesting to see what they do on Saturday now in front of a crowd. And will they turn these guys loose? It sounds like the quarterbacks will be live. Um, so they could be going against A.J. Bush, I believe, right? Would yeah, they, I think would, so. Would that be how they're going to do it? I yeah. mean, 
the the white team's gonna it's gonna be the same teams we've seen in practice. Um, so it, you'll get a new look of guys going against, and AJ Bush will be going against arguably the, the most of the number one defense. Yeah, it, it'd be interesting, like you said, because uh, as we've noted plenty of times in our observations this spring, that uh, the, if if the quarterbacks would have been open for contact, there may have been some injuries with how easily Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine barreled through that line, and you know had to hold up at the last minute before absolutely crushing a quarterback. So uh, we'll see how long Riley sticks to that decision after Malik Collins does a does a sue slam on A.J. Bush a couple times. Yeah, we're going to see how athletic A.J. Bush yeah, is he's, because he's going to be moving around in the pocket and, and maybe throwing on the run some. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple times at Wednesday's practice where, you know, whether it was A.J. Bush or one of the other backup quarterbacks would drop back to pass, and I mean, immediately, the pocket just vanished. There was no pocket there because those two defensive tackles just collapsed it immediately, and uh, yeah, I, that's, that's something that, you know, Nebraska definitely has to think about a little bit. I don't know if it's such an indictment on the offensive line or if yeah. it's just that those guys have been so dominant so far. You're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're talking defense. And, you know, the, on the defensive line, um, we've talked about him already, but Freedom Akamamundum <laughs> continues. To, I'm just going to Chris Fowler that name. Take, and, take it, Nate. Akin Muladun. There you go. Thank Boom. you. I'm going to butcher that name. I'm, I'm pulling a Chris Fowler 2009, Mr. Freedom. Yeah. Mr. Sue. <laughs> but, you know, Freedom is a guy that has looked impressive, and he's someone I'm intrigued to watch on Saturday just because we all thought, I know Nate and I both thought that this is somebody that should have been playing defensive end from the get-go, and his high school Smith, his high school coach continued to pull out that Alden-Smith comparison, and, and he even mentioned that this week when talking about um, his game and, and why he's at defensive end. Yeah, and, and he's a guy who's really, you know, he, although he's new to the position this spring, he's he's flashed. Uh, and there's at times where he looks amazing and, and is making plays and, and uh, you know, gives you a little bit of that speed rush uh, mixed in with some, you know, being able to, to flash off his strength and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, set the edge a little bit there. Um, but uh, and then there's times when he gets completely, you know, uh, manhandled and, and driven, you know, to the sideline. So, um, you know, it, it depends on, you know, it really is going to be interesting to see how he continues to develop and, and exactly what you get out of him. But as of right now, he looks like a guy who's going to give you some depth there at that position, which is sorely needed. And it was so fun to talk to him the other day after practice. First time we got to interview Freedom. And, you know, you, you could tell he was just like, yeah, I don't totally understand what's going on all the time, but I'm just going to give it 100%. I'm going to go out there and bust my butt and just run around as fast as I can and see what happens. And obviously, you know, he's got to get the intricacies of the position down a little bit more uh, to make a real impact. But he's definitely he's going to give it his all out there. I think he's going to be fun to watch. You know, uh, another position on the defense, and Mike Riley mentioned this as maybe one of his biggest concerns, is at linebacker. And, you know, linebacker is a spot where Nebraska just doesn't have a lot of working numbers. And, you know, some players have emerged, but I, I feel like not enough. And I, I think that's a position where, you know, he said going in, it, it's definitely um, a question mark going into the fall camp still. And they, they want to keep working uh, more guys in at that linebacker spot. This was Mike Riley talking about the linebackers here, where they're at in the spring. Well, you know, I still think that probably if, if I had to pick out a position to continue to develop and, and to then include our young guys in the picture, it's going to be linebacker, you know, just our depth there. And that was Mike Riley talking about the linebackers on a Wednesday. And, you know, we know that starting three looks pretty good. Newby and Rose Ivy and Banderas. And I think Dedrick Young is somebody uh, that's also emerged at the linebacker spot. Uh, but after that, I, I, you know, it's hard to really say any of those walk-ons are, are game ready. And I think the door is wide open for guys like Muhammad Barry and, and any of these newcomers coming in. I don't think there's any question that those guys are going to come in and have a real opportunity to play uh, just because they'll have to. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you got to give all the credit you can to the walk-ons, but the fact is that from a talent perspective, there's a pretty big gap between the, you know, the, that front group, uh, Banderas, Rose Ivy, and uh, Newby uh, to, to the, the second-tier walk-on guys. So uh, it's, it's going to be a real interesting to see once fall camp rolls around how these new guys that, that, that join, the, the incoming freshmen, and how, how quick
quickly they're able to adapt because I think that just out of necessity, they're going to have to play in some capacity. Well, and they're getting those young guys ready to go, you know, uh, in touching base with a lot of those uh, 2015 signees to see if they're coming in for the spring game. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I asked guys like Muhammad Barry and Tyron Ferguson and Adrian Talon is, um, you know, what have the coaches told you about, you know, getting ready to play or, you know, or do you have any idea of if you're going to redshirt or, or, or what? And, and each one of those guys said that they are coming in uh, with the mindset of, of not redshirting and, and playing as a true freshman. Uh, all of those guys have told me that they're working extremely hard this spring, uh, both with the, the strength and conditioning workout regiment that uh, Nebraska sent them, but they're also, you know, already starting to, uh, to get into that playbook so that once they get on campus, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, don't have that far to go to get on the field. And those guys are going to play. And Nate, a pretty high profile junior college linebacker is going to be on campus as well. Yeah, Chris Backus, um, you know, is a guy who could play uh, middle linebacker or, the, you know, really could play all three. Uh, but I think that especially be a middle linebacker or, or a strong side linebacker uh, in this defense. And, um, you know, and he's going to be, you know, one of the more highly recruited uh, JUCO linebackers in the nation. Nebraska has some great ties there uh, coming out of NEO Junior College in Oklahoma. You know, the head coach there, Ryan Held, is a former Husker. Uh, he helped get Joe Keels on campus, um, you know, when he was at Highland Community College. Uh, there he's going to be on campus so along with uh, Maurice Chandler um, you know two high profile Juco guys and and uh, you know Nebraska has shown that they're not afraid to, to go after and get immediate help at that position and they may need it you're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast and just a reminder we have our special offer running through Saturday the red white spring game you can take advantage of of a deal where you'll be able to get our site free until July 31st, right before fall camp, by simply signing up and using the code Husker Spring and Caps Lock. That gets you the site and all the premium content and recruiting and tunnel talk for free until July 31st. I highly recommend taking advantage of it. A lot of exciting things to come. Uh, the new message boards will be launched here. Uh, hopefully, next week is the plan. So, a lot of exciting things here on Husker Online with the Red White game this week, uh, the spring recruiting period coming forward. And guys, as we talk more defense, the secondary, um, that is one of the positions I think in the red-white game defensively um, that that is the most exciting. Because I, I think when you look at the red and the white teams, it's almost an even split. I, I don't think the red team is the clear-cut ones. I almost think the white team might have as many ones as the red team right now. And uh, that's why it will be interesting to see what both quarterbacks can do um, against the secondary, Dan. Yeah, I mean, you know, you run through uh, the rosters and you can kind of look at the first team and say, you know, like yesterday, Trey Mosley and uh, Jonathan Rose are running out there as the first team cornerbacks. Well, it wouldn't be at all surprising. You know, obviously Daniel Davies is going to come back from injury at some point, probably not for the spring game. But, you know, guys like Chris Jones, Josh Kalou, they're going to be very much in that running um, as the spring goes along. Even Eric Lee and Avery Anderson have both looked very good at points. And uh, there's all kinds of competition at safety. Um, opposite Nathan Gary, there's a lot of guys out there. Like, you know, you can't just look at, you know, one team on Saturday and say this this side of the secondary is the one that's going to be playing a lot because there could be guys on both sides who are going to see significant snaps in the fall. And Aaron Williams and Nate, I know we talked about him a little bit already on podcasts before, but he's been impressive this spring. You met Avery Anderson, Eric Lee, uh, the three high school guys. This is what they came here early for. They came here early to play in the spring game and to show what they can do. Yeah, you know, you're talking about the secondary, and it is by far the deepest um, position group on the on the team, at least not, especially on the defense. Um, but you know, it, it does look a little bit different if you don't have those early enrollees, you know, because they have come in and made an impact right away. And and you know, out of those three guys, Aaron Williams is probably the the least heralded recruit, uh, but he's he's arguably made the the biggest impact this far, and and he's seeing time with the number one unit, I think, uh, um, you know, in the base package and especially in that nickel package, and. Um, uh, and he's made his presence felt. And, you know, that's something that, that his high school coach told us, you know, uh, when when he committed to Nebraska. He said that he's a player that, uh, you know, is extremely instinctive and, and his football IQ is through the roof. Uh, and his father also told me, he said, hey, I don't want to brag, but uh, watch out for my son. He's going to be, you know, starting uh, at some point next year. And he's going to be making, uh, at least making a freshman all Big Ten list. <laughs> Those are some strong <laughs> words, uh, guys, as we kind of put a close on 
talk here for the Red White Spring. I'm going to put you on the spot. Robin, give me the one player offense, the one player defense you're looking forward to watching on Saturday. And, and don't go obvious. I, don't say Malik Collins and Tommy Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because one guy that I think has the best chance to maybe be the spring game hero that we always look for is Lane Hovey. You know, I, we I talked about how much I like that guy, but I just think it's going to be really hard for this coaching staff to keep him off the field. He's such a big bodied athlete that just doesn't make mistakes. And I, I think that is, he's going to find a role in this offense. You know, I, I liken him a lot to a Todd Peterson type, you know, just, just that fundamentally sound, really good athlete, strong. Um, and so he, I'll bet you, and as the game wears on, he's going to get a lot of targets and he's going to put up stats and he's going to be your spring game hero. And on defense, I'm going to look at Dedrick Young. I think he, you know, we talked about the depth at linebacker. He's going to play a lot and people are going to be impressed with what he brings athletically. I mean, he's already built the part. I mean, especially for an early enrollee freshman, uh, he, he's physically more than capable of holding his own. And I think he's going to make some plays, uh, especially with the, the amount of running I expect to see happen. And uh, so those are those are my two guys. Yeah, for me, it, on, on offense, it's Adam Taylor. You know, this is a guy that was, uh, you know, highly recruited uh, player out of high school. Uh, but, you know, you talk about the lack of, of, you know, contact or going live this spring. I think that uh, that kind of hurts a guy like Adam Taylor because he's a physical runner. He's at his best when he's, you know, uh, he's a downhill guy and he's at his best when he's, you know, bringing the, the punishment to some defenders. So he's a, a player who could really separate himself, I think, you know, uh, in this live scrimmage situation on Saturday and then defensively you know I, I want to see you know how uh, Michael Rose Ivy is is coming back you know from that injury uh, he's looked uh, you know fairly well so far this spring but I think that Saturday is a, a great opportunity for him to solidify himself as as that guy on defense and, and prove that he's uh, completely healthy and, and going to be a playmaker uh, you know next fall. For me on offense, it's Terrell Newby. I mean, we heard the coaches rave about him last week, say that he'd kind of separated himself a little bit. Okay, time to show us. I mean, you know, we've seen him for two years. He's had kind of nice flashes or whatever, but hasn't able to put it together, hasn't been able to put it together consistently and, and kind of, uh, you know, take ownership of that running back position. This is kind of his first chance to do that. Defensively for me, um, it, it's Josh Kalou. I, I'm buying what this guy's selling. He is just... I love watching him. The coaches have talked about how they love those long cornerbacks. He's the definition of that, and he's just a fun guy to watch. I mean, he'll he'll be on the sidelines dancing to music after he makes a play. He'll be you know shouting at the receivers or the quarterback, "Don't come at me again" or anything like that. He's just one of those guys who loves life, and I think he thrives in an environment like the spring game provides. He's got enough swag for the entire defense. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I'm gonna obviously AJ Bush is I think an obvious one, so I'm not gonna use that as mine. <laughs> but I'll go Mikel Wilbon, uh, scout team player of the year a year ago, had a nice run on Wednesday's practice. I just want to see what he can do uh, under live bullets. A sleeper name I want to see, too, is Zach Darlington. Mm -hmm. I think he's quietly had a nice spring, and uh, he gets overshadowed. I could see him having a really nice red-white game. We saw him deliver a great pass to Brandon Riley on Wednesday that went for an 80-yard touchdown um, in a scrimmage situation. So I want to see what Zach does in that situation and for me defensively uh chris jones um you're a kalu guy i'm a chris jones fan i i just think he has the build the look uh to be a big time corner and i would not be surprised if one of these young corners in that freshman class uh come out and get an interception yeah real, real quickly on zach darlington the thing that i've noticed about him that i really like is his willingness to throw short passes it seems like some of these quarterbacks are always kind of hunting for the big play we saw a lot of times last year where tommy would maybe miss a running back in the flat or something and throw deep. Zach Darlington is not afraid to dump it off. He's not afraid to throw short to a tight end. Um, and he's he's very accurate. Those are things that have stood out to me from the past couple of practices. So, yeah, let's see if he can do it when the bullets are flying Saturday. Well, we come back here on the podcast. We'll shift back over to Husker basketball. Some sad news with Teron Petaway. And then some visitors coming in uh, here to watch. That's next. You're listening to the HOL podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And back here on the HOL podcast, we shift over to basketball talk. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppen are our two basketball experts here 
for the site and uh, some sad news, Robin, um, with Teron Petaway and, and his mother. Um, you know, it was something ongoing as he talked about all season with his mother and her battle with cancer. Uh, his mother passed away this week, uh, delaying his uh, announcement. And it was presume, presumed on Wednesday that Petaway was going to announce that he was foregoing his final year at Nebraska uh, to move on to the professional links. But uh, the news of his mother passing away on, on late Tuesday evening, um, he's back down in Texas. And just a tragic deal for uh, Tehran, as this is something that he's been battling uh, for for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, this is, was their third bout with soft tissue cancer. Uh, and the thing is, like, it, I don't know if it was necessarily a surprise, you know, that it happens just because of the way her condition had deteriorated, um, you know, basically since the last March, uh, really, when, you know, he, he first kind of got that that whoa moment when she came to visit and was in a wheelchair and like completely caught him off guard. So, uh, it, it really has been a bad deal, uh, all along. And, um, I, I think all signs kind of pointed to, uh, you know, her condition, you know, not, not really getting all that better, but the reality is whenever you're in a situation like this, where you, you lose a parent, uh, there, there's really no, no way to comfort that or prepare you for that. Uh, so I think, you know, all, all Husker nation, you know, when the news broke that that happened, you know, gave out their sincere condolences and uh, you know the thoughts are with the Petaway family and it really kind of puts things in perspective that you know everybody's so concerned about this decision about you know what he's going to do with his basketball career well you know to trans just just lost his mother and and so you just kind of got to give the guys you know some time and let him you know do what he needs to do and uh, don't even really worry about you know what he's going to do next season because really that doesn't matter that, that's a great point Rob that's exactly what I wanted to say I mean all you can really do in this situation is just uh you know, pray for Turan and his family as they deal with, you know, and just an incredibly tough um, set of circumstances here. Uh, just forget basketball for a couple of days at least. I mean, let let this poor guy live his life and, and and try and get through this because you know, in the end, this is what really matters, not basketball. Moving on now, uh, as we talk Husker basketball and visitors, Robin, and it's transfer season around the country. Uh, Nebraska, once again, with some open scholarships that were unforeseen back in November, now could potentially, they have two, they might have three um, scholarships available here, and um, it's put them back on the market for possibly some uh, transfer players. Yeah, uh, you know, the the transfer uh, season is in full effect. You know, I think we're up over at least 300 to 350 names already uh, of, you know, kids across the country, you know, looking for greener pastures. So uh, it just kind of makes it fans that were, you know, thinking the sky was falling because Nebraska lost two guys. You know, it, it, it's just part of the deal. That's It's college basketball nowadays. So uh, just know that they are far from uh, the exception there. So it, um, the, the, as far as, you know, potential transfers, uh, not a lot has really developed outside of Nebraska showing interest uh, outside side of the fact that they got uh, ESPN confirmed that they're probably going to get a visit from a Louisville guard uh, this May, uh, kid by the name of uh, Gill, uh, Anton Gill. He was the guard that really didn't play a lot at Louisville last year, but he's a four-star top 50 player when he was coming out of high school in 2013. Uh, and so that's a potential guy. I think that, you know, you, you look at him as maybe the, another Petaway uh, fill-in guy because, you know, he's that scoring type guy, averaged about 28 points a game in high school. Uh, so he's, he's got a lot of ability, just didn't get a chance, you know, like most kids, like an Andrew White, uh, to really showcase that on a loaded uh, on a loaded team. So that's the only confirmed uh, visitor that, that uh, you know, Nebraska's lined up on the transfer market, but uh, there's been some other names. Uh, the Harris kid from Providence, uh, you know, has Nebraska in his top 10, but uh, really not much has really developed since he announced that list. And uh, there have been a couple other names, but uh, at this point, I think Nebraska is still kind of waiting to see how many spots they're actually going to have open, you know, with what Petaway does uh, before they really start to get uh, thoroughly involved in some of these transfers. Robin, just on Speaking on the larger scale, we've really seen this transfer market explode in the last, it seems like, you know, five or six years. It, you mentioned, you know, there are over 300 names out there, guys looking to transfer. What do you think is it that has just made that become such a huge part of college basketball that we didn't even see, you know, maybe... 10 years ago yeah I mean I think it's just a, a societal thing I think kids are you know wanting to come in and play right away and when that doesn't happen you know they get frustrated and decide you know what uh, I'm not gonna you know worry about working hard to, to earn a spot in this lineup when I can go to a school that that needs me right away and you know it's it's funny because you know I think uh, there, I saw a pretty good analogy to where it's like you're working at a company that has 13 jobs and 
um, you know, your, your job is to do this one thing, but then your boss decides that these five other guys are better at their job than you are. And so you're on staff, you're getting, you know, your salary, but you don't ever actually get to do anything. So you, you, you practice at your job, but you don't ever actually get to do anything where, a, a another company down the road has an opening for that exact same job. That's going to let you work a lot more than you're doing with this current job. And so why not go to there and, you know, actually get to, to do something constructive. So it's, it's just kind of the, you know, the way that this is, I mean, it, it's college sports in general, but I think basketball, because, you know, there's you know so fewer opportunities just to, to see actual playing time that uh, kids aren't going to waste time, you know, riding the bench and, you know, working their way into lineups when they can go somewhere else and have an opportunity to play right away. And guys, I think the AAU environment plays a big factor in this too. If guys don't like the team they're on, they switch and they play 90 games and they don't really care if they win or lose. And yeah. I, I just think that plays as big of a factor in it uh, where the summer and spring basketball almost has taken precedence over your team ball well, aau and prep uh, level uh, basketball too i mean perfect example walter pitchford he played for three different high schools uh when, when coming out of uh when he finally uh, committed to florida and then uh jacob hammond played for four different high schools and so it's it's just kind of the kids are just they get used to that that you know the idea of leaving a school is no big deal to them you're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to take advantage of a special offer we have on HOL through now and through uh, till, till Saturday, April 11th, uh, you can get the site for free uh, all the way through July 31st by entering a promo, Husker Spring and Caps Lock. That will get you all the exclusive premium content in the Red Sea Scrolls message board for free until July 31st, right before the Huskers open up spring practice. And Robin, will there be any basketball visitors or recruits at the Red White Spring game? I, I know that's something that they could take advantage of if they can get some guys here. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if they'll actually be there for the game, but uh, actually starting from Thursday and Friday, they got two confirmed official visitors uh in uh, mike edwards the kid that we've been talking about for a while now uh the the big power forward from up from up in michigan uh you know i reported on monday that he was coming in for an official visit and you know despite some uh, conflicting reports out contrary there, to yeah, internet reports <laughs> for, for some reason people doubted his actual words and he is actually coming like i said so uh he'll be here on thursday and uh that's a uh, Priority number one for Nebraska. I mean, they got to get a big that can come in and play uh, right away, and I think he's capable of being that type of player. Um, you know, he's got this will be his third official visit. He visited Northern Illinois, who's no longer in the picture, and then Georgia, um, you know, a couple weekends ago. So um, I think that Nebraska's sitting pretty pretty good with him. And then another guy is a 2015 high school kid from down in Arizona, uh, Hillcrest uh, Academy, a guy by the name of uh, Bakari Evelyn. Uh, he's a six-two guard that um, you know was won three straight uh, Class D uh, state championships up in Michigan before transferring down to Arizona. And it's funny. There's a coincidence here of how that news broke. Uh, Daniel Davies' dad, Damon Davy, actually tweeted. tweeted. I, I retweeted that. Yeah, and then he he like tweeted to Coach Miles saying that hey, you got a visitor coming. So <laughs> it's I'm, I'm still curious to see kind of how high of a target he is. You know, he may just be an unofficial visitor. That is he from Country Day. Uh, no, he went, uh, he went that's to, where Damon Davey went, he, yeah. you know, where Chris, Chris Weber and Batty A. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he was in the class D level. Um, uh, I can't remember what name of his, the school he was actually on down there, but anyway, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that is you know, a scoring guard, you know, six, two shooting guard type guy. So, uh, could potentially help them in that backcourt spot. So, uh, we'll see how high of a priority he is, but, uh, certainly having Mike Edwards on campus is, is a big plus. It is a big football weekend, but there will be a lot of basketball news that comes out of it. Make sure you stick with Husker online and Robin Washett for the latest coverage. When we come back on the program, we will shift over to Husker baseball and figure out what went wrong in Maryland. And can the Huskers bounce back this week? at home against Minnesota. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. After a hot start, Husker baseball kind of cooled off a little bit over the weekend at Big Ten preseason favorite Maryland, getting swept, Dan, as uh, it was not the weekend we thought. Uh, you know, I think people thought, you know, Nebraska might get lose two out of three they could win two out of three but nobody was expecting the red hot huskers to go out to college park maryland and get swept especially after having a five nothing lead in that game on sunday yeah they they got kicked in the teeth a little bit for the first time this season you know this is 
um, the first kind of real moment of adversity that we've seen this team face. Uh, you know, you look at that Saturday doubleheader, Nebraska was pretty thoroughly beaten in both those games. And then you mentioned on Sunday, they jump out to a 5 nothing lead thanks to some uh, mistakes by Maryland. And, and that bullpen, which has been so good all year long, wasn't able to hold the lead. So it was just – it was an odd weekend um, because so many of the things that Nebraska's displayed all season long weren't present um, up in College Park. But, you know, that might have been a little a little ringing of the bell saying, you know, you guys, you've been great so far. You've gotten off to a great start, but you're not quite there yet. you got to keep ascending. You know, I, I do like how they bounce back, though, Dan. They went down to Kansas State, and they played a midweek game in some colder weather conditions. And this is not the K-State team of the last four years, uh, but this is a program that has won the Big 12, has played in regionals, and has had Nebraska's number the last couple of seasons. And they go down there, and they jump out to a lead, and they blow the lead, and they win the game in extra innings. And Kansas State had a chance to win that game, and Nebraska held serve there. And I was impressed just with the, the grit they showed to get that win on the road yeah that was a really important response I think just for the team's psyche you know you mentioned Nebraska jumps out to a 4-1 lead in the third inning it's kind of like oh okay you know they'll, they'll cruise from here well that didn't happen uh the bullpen eventually you know they coughed up the lead again which was surprising and then uh Kansas State with one out in the bottom of the ninth had two guys on base um hit her at a 3-1 count you know that had a chance to go south Kansas State looked like you know they might get an opportunity to walk off and win that game but Jake Hohens is able to get out of it and then Nebraska has a little two-out rally in the 10th where Tanner Lubach comes through with uh what ended up being the game-winning hit I think that was big for Nebraska's um just their mindset just being able to to come off such a disappointing weekend, you know, be set up for another disappointing midweek game, but they fought through it. You know, they didn't give into those circumstances. They were able to come out on top. And it's a long week. You travel to Maryland, then you take a bus ride there and back in the same day to go to Kansas State. It's really one of the only true midweek um, road games they play other than going to Omaha. Um, so there was some mental hurdles I think they had to get over this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned this is not the same Kansas State team that they usually are. They're well under 500. So, you know, it, it's always a little bit tougher to get up for games when you're not, you know, playing a team who's uh, at the top of their game or anything like that. But but Nebraska, to their credit, they did a great job. And, you know, those midweek games are always kind of tough because you're throwing a, a guy who's who's not a weekend starter. You usually have two or three guys in the lineup who, you know, might not be starting players. You're resting guys or trying to get certain guys, you know, game experience. For Nebraska to come through, I think um, – it was just big for them mentally. And you mentioned pitchers. I think Garrett King has, has really established himself as that fourth starter, which is easier said than done. It, Nebraska hasn't had that true number four in a while. And, you know, when you start to look ahead to postseason, having that fourth guy for Minneapolis for the Big Ten tournament, uh, King is kind of carving a niche to, to be that fourth starter. Oh, absolutely. He's the reigning Big Ten freshman of the week. He was absolutely lights out against Creighton last week. Wasn't quite as good against Kansas State. He had his moments. Uh, you know, things kind of got sideways on him a little bit um, as that game progressed. But he's absolutely a guy. He's very, very rare um, for a freshman to have great command of four different pitches, but he does, and that's that's kind of what he can do. He's not going to blow you away with a uh, with his velocity or or fastballs or anything like that, but he can really um, command the strike zone. And you mentioned it in postseason play; it's about being able to have uh, you know, a fourth starter. Yes, a fourth or even a fifth starter that you can really trust. So when you're playing four games in five days, you can throw. Um, guys out there every day that you can really trust. Nebraska has not had that during Darren Ursad's tenure. I mean, even if you go back to last season, uh, you remember in in the postseason, Nebraska threw uh, Austin Christensen in the regional, and he was only able to last a couple innings. That guy's not a, a true starting pitcher. Now Nebraska has four starting pitchers that I think they can really trust, and that's huge moving forward. You're listening to the HOL podcast. Just a reminder, we have a special on Husker Online right now through now until April 11th. By entering the code Husker Spring when you sign up for a membership, you will get the site free until July 31st. It's a great promo probably the best one we're going to ever offer. Uh, it's the best one we've offered since I've been around, so I encourage you to take advantage of this. And, Dan, Nebraska this weekend back home, they are going to get some huge crowds. Weather on Friday is going to be nice. Weather on Saturday with the red-white game, uh, you might have 10,000 people on that park on Saturday. Yeah, if the weather cooperates, which it's been kind of dreary the last couple days, but hopefully uh, you know, the reports are looking like it's going to be great, and, 
And yeah, we've we've seen crowds of uh, seven thousand plus in Haymarket this year, and and you know you can just tell what what that does not only to Nebraska but to the other team. Uh, you know, Nebraska a couple weeks ago had uh, over seven thousand fans um, for that Creighton game on a Tuesday night, and uh, and their coach Ed Service after the game admitted that the crowd got to his players a little bit, and now you've got a Minnesota team coming in this weekend. I've seen those crowds firsthand. Not many people go to Minnesota baseball games. These players are not used to playing in front of big crowds at all. So if Nebraska is able to put, you know, even four or 5,000, I think, you know, we both expect the crowds to be bigger than that. But even if it's only, you know, a crowd like that, these Minnesota guys, they might be affected a little bit by the bright lights. Now, as Minnesota, they, they have the coach that was petitioning to, like, for the Big Ten to get rid of spring baseball and play their own summer league. Yes, Make sure you bring that up to him again as <laughs> you show him the latest RPI standings of the Big Ten where I believe um, Perfect Game or D1 Baseball has at least four or five Big Ten teams in the latest projections. Two Big team, Big Ten teams hosting Illinois and Maryland. Uh, I saw Nebraska was a two seed in the latest projections uh, going to TCU as a two seed. So uh, very much uh, the Big Ten has made a comeback here. It's funny that you bring that up. Actually, the first thing – that you had me cover for Husker Online three years ago was a um, a tournament up in Minnesota, the Dairy Queen Classic. And I remember this was right after Minnesota's coach had come out with those comments about uh, the Big Ten kind of breaking off and playing summer baseball. And so I asked uh, Darren Erstad about it, and you know he he didn't he didn't go out of his way to you know say that's stupid or whatever. But you could just kind of see it in his eyes. He's just like, come on now, that that's never going to happen. That's a ridiculous idea. But you know, you're seeing now that obviously, yeah, it can be tougher for Northern teams to kind of um, build, build up their rosters and build up their RPIs and stuff, but it can be done. And the Big Ten is doing it this year. Here's what the Big Ten has. They have the, 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 the TV network, mm -hmm. they have the budgets, mm -hmm. and now you have a team like Nebraska and a team like Maryland that have proven you can do it as a Northern team. And Indiana. And Indiana in as, a, in, Indiana as year, a Northern yeah. team. So I think all of these things, but particularly the Big Ten Network and the money that the schools in the Big Ten have, they can do it. And they're proving it right now with, what, five teams in the top 40 in the RPI right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all about putting that effort in. I mean, you know, you look at, and we'll see if these teams are able to keep it up, but I mean, Illinois is another team that's been very successful. But you look at even teams like Iowa and Ohio State, they were not expected to be great teams at the beginning of the year. And again, you know, I, I kind of want to see them play some more games before we crown them. Um, but they've played great so far. Those are teams that are both, you know, in the top 40 in the RPR right now. Nobody expected that, but they've they've shown some pretty strong signs. Should be a great field this year in Minneapolis. When we come back on the program, we will close the show talking Husker recruiting a big weekend with the red-white game as a number of recruits will be in town. Nate Klaus will step back in next. You're listening to the HOL Podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, you know, I want them to see the greatest fans in college football, and then I want them to see a team that is likes to play football, plays hard, enjoys their teammates, enjoys the atmosphere. Um, you know, that uh, I, I think that that's what we've got. It's, it's exciting to me for, for recruits to come and see this thing. It's pretty special. You heard him, head coach Mike Riley, giving his message to recruits before Saturday's red-white game. Mr. Nice Guy Mike Riley, he always does it, Nate. He's uh, got to even thank the media for their coverage of spring practice after practice 14 on Wednesday. So uh, pulling out all the stops. And this weekend for really everybody up in the recruiting department, it's going to be um, their biggest test ever because you are going to have – Countless recruits here, not only uh, guys from the 2015 class, uh, the 2016 class are going to have a, a ton of guys here, uh, 2017 recruits. Uh, Nate, I know I know we, we can't really probably get through every single name, but give us a rundown of four or five guys coming in that you better follow closely. Yeah, I mean, really, there's uh, you, you've got three major storylines uh, out of the group that's, that's coming this weekend. Uh, you've got four uh, junior college players uh, that will be on campus. Um, you know, Chris Backus, Maurice Chandler, we kind of touched on earlier in the podcast, the two kids from uh, Northeastern Oklahoma uh, Junior College uh, that have offers. Uh, you know, Backus, the linebacker, uh, Chandler, you know, one of the top corners in the nation. Uh, now, Taj Williams from Iowa Western um, will be on campus. I spoke with uh, coaching staff over 
over at Iowa Western yesterday, uh, and they told me that uh, they've allowed Taj to, to get out of practice early in order uh, for him to, to make the game. Uh, and that's that's a that's a key key um, you know uh, player in, in, in all of this because uh, and one of the top overall uh, you know Ju- JUCO players in the country just picked up an offer from Alabama. So uh, to to get him in front of the coaching staff, to get him in, in that atmosphere is huge. And then you've got a guy like uh, Quinn Mittenmeyer, uh, who's an offensive tackle. Uh, does not have an offer yet uh, down there in the Jayhawk League, but uh, he'll be on campus as well. Uh, and then you've got uh, you know a number of guys from the area. Uh, of course, a lot of in-state guys, but you've got a key visitor out of uh, Xavier Kelly, who's a defensive end out of the Wichita area. Early commitment to Kansas State. Uh, Nebraska offered him you know uh, last November. Um, so no longer a K-State commitment. No longer a K-State commitment. And, and this is a kid who, I mean, he's absolutely blown up. He, he went to a camp, um, you know, early, uh, you know, in, in February, um, in, at 6'5", 250 pounds, ran a, a 4.55 electronic 40. I mean, he's a freak of nature. Uh, after he did that, he landed offers from Michigan, Notre Dame, Alabama, Arkansas. I mean, just absolutely blew up. And that's why he decommitted from Kansas State. So, uh, you know, to have him, you know, you're talking about a 500-mile radius guy, a, a player that Nebraska offered early under the Bo Pelini staff. Uh, during the transition, you know, Mark Banker went down there. Uh, while they're trying to wrap up the 2015, class Mark Banker actually went down there uh, to see him you know uh, before signing day to make sure hey um, you know let him know that, that he had an offer from Riley and, and his staff and was going to be a major priority so uh, huge to have him on campus uh, you've got commitments Jared Bubak uh, uh, will be on campus after visiting Arizona State uh, just recently so it's it's nice to have him uh, back on campus hopefully solidify him I don't think there's a huge uh, concern with his commitment uh, and then you've got John Raritan also a commit uh, for Nebraska, um, you know, is, who is solid, uh, one of the top overall uh, offensive linemen in the country. Uh, not having Brian Brokop on campus is a little concerning. Kind of a red flag. Yeah, kind of a red flag there. You know, he's visiting Arizona State right now uh, down there in Arizona on vacation, uh, won't be on campus, you know, and, and is a guy who has kind of, you know, hinted at the fact that, you know, um, maybe maybe his commitment status with Nebraska isn't as solid as what you'd like to hear. Uh, you know, he's picked up some big offers from, you know, a Arizona State, Auburn, you know, some schools like that. So uh, it's interesting, you know, to, to see what happens there. Uh, but then you've got a guy like uh, Noah Fant right down the road in Omaha. And they want to lock him up. They want to lock him up. And, and I think if you – up a Vanderbilt offer this week. Exactly, you know, and and, uh, and he's a guy who's going to continue to pick up offers. So uh, if there's a, if a player on this, you know, on this visit, visitor list uh, that you you know that could potentially commit or that you would like to see commit it would probably be an in-state player like Noah Fant um, you know, and, and then maybe the headliner of all of this, uh, of all of the visitors are going to be the 2017 players. Uh, Darnay Holmes, a five-star cornerback out of California, you know, has pretty much every offer in the country already. Just picked up an offer from Alabama. will be in town again uh, for the second time in, in less than a month, along with Keyshawn Johnson Jr., uh, another top 100 player in the nation for 2017. Uh, both those guys are coming in with uh, former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, again, who played for Mike Riley, absolutely loves Mike Riley. Uh, and those guys are going to have an opportunity to, to now see what, you know. Huge. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. To have both of those types of guys on campus uh, two times in less than a month and to have them, you know, on campus in, in order to to kind of get a feel for what a game may be like, you know, uh, um, is absolutely huge. I mean, you can't put it in – you can't really quantify how, how big that is to have two players of the, their caliber on campus uh, – uh, you know, and pretty much, you know, within four week period. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come in for a game next fall too. So now you're talking about having two guys like that on campus three times, you know, in, in less than a year, uh, um, you know, bodes pretty well for Nebraska. And then you've got uh, Avery Roberts, who is uh, an emerging 2017 linebacker from Delaware, who's coming in, uh, already has 10 plus offers. Uh, Nebraska has offered him. He's, he's struck up a great relationship with Trent Bray so far. Um, you know, and that's huge to have him come in uh, another position of need um, in maybe a guy who's flying under the radar right now, kind of an unknown uh you know, commodity is wide receiver uh, Javon McQuitty out of uh, Columbia, Missouri. 
um, Battle High School, um, you know, 6'2", 190-pound um, wide receiver, uh, runs extremely well, uh, you know, kind of a bigger bar- body target, um, you know, big, long uh, receiver will be on campus, uh, does not hold any offers. But, uh, you know, this is a guy, you know, after watching his film, I would I would not be surprised to see, you know, him pick up an offer from Nebraska early on, and they'd become the first school to offer him, and, and which could really put Nebraska in the running uh, to, to land him early on. And, which you you know you kind of like to see them getting after Missouri a little bit, especially a guy from Columbia. Um, you know, and there's a 2016 player from Columbia that has a number of offers coming uh, up as well. Hayden Johnson, defensive end out of uh, Columbia Rockbridge High School. So it's <clears throat> kind of nice to see them you know uh, getting after Missouri uh, and kind of getting in uh, into their wheelhouse a little bit. That is a lot of information you just spit out there, Nate. Uh, take a drink and catch your breath here as uh, we, we move on in the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Nate, I'm going to address maybe one of the recruiting elephants in the room here, the quarterback position. And Brandon Peters was supposed to be coming to this red-white game, and he committed to Michigan this past weekend, who had their spring game, uh, which was, by the way, a score of 7 to nothing in that spring game. But Brandon Peters, a four-star quarterback out of Avon, Indiana, um, ranked number five in the Rivals.com pro-style rankings committed to Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, uh, which really leaves the quarterback position for 2016 um, really in an influx. Where where does Nebraska go uh, as their next top target for 2016 quarterbacks? Well, that's, that's a $64,000 question. You know, it seems like this staff is kind of in – uh, quarterback purgatory right now as far as recruiting goes because um, you you lost arguably your top target and Brandon Peters um, who was supposed to be on campus this weekend and and you you, you know that uh, Jim Harbaugh and that Michigan staff kind of put the screws to him and wanted to lock him up before he came on this visit uh, this weekend and and they were able to do that so that kind of puts Nebraska in, in somewhat of a predicament because uh, they've only offered three quarterbacks so far and one is committed to Michigan one to it, Georgia one to Georgia number one in the nation. Yeah, Jacob Eason, number one player in the nation, not just number one quarterback in the nation, but number one overall player in the nation. Um, and then uh, Chris Oladukin, who's committed to, to South Florida. Now, I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them make a push to get uh, Oladukin on campus, you know, towards the end of April, early May, uh, and things could change there. But, um, you know, it's kind of curious that they haven't, you know, gone out and made a rash of offers or, or you know, you know, at least publicly targeted any new guys. So that either tells me that uh, they're they're confident in in their ability to land a player, and they're going to you know evaluate these guys during the the spring evaluation period starting on April fifteenth, or that they feel confident in the fact that they may be able to flip a guy like Jacob Eason, uh, which would be huge huge news, or a guy like. Uh, Chris Oladukin from South Florida. And they've already made some inroads for 2017 quarterbacks, Nate. They had a visitor this week. Yeah, Sean Mitchell, uh, who's you know arguably one of the top uh, 2017 prospects in the country, just recently won uh, you know the the quarterback MVP at a, at a, the Atlanta Rivals camp. Uh, has an early offer from Virginia Tech, and um, you know you're talking about a player who's a two-year starter at Oscar Smith High School in Virginia. Has uh, pretty much shattered all of the records so far that Philip Sims set at that same high school. Um, you know, and, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know uh, Nebraska come out with an early offer here shortly. Um, you know, I think maybe the big thing holding holding up uh, the the you know, a lot of offers for Sean Mitchell is his height. You know, he's only 5'11", 185 pounds, uh, but he is a tremendous passer. He He's very skilled, uh, you know, passer. And you like to see that he, he works out from under the center. Uh, you know, you can see his footwork. He takes drops and goes through his reads. And, you know, he's not a shotgun guy that's just, you know, um, you know every, you know, designed pass play and, and throwing the ball, you know, 50 times. He, he's a polished quarterback prospect that has a lot of ties to the Omaha area. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy that you could see and, um, you know, get an offer soon. And they just offered a 2017 quarterback out of uh, Hawaii as well. Um, from St. Louis. From St. Louis High School out of uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah. Home of Riola and Tony Fanoti. And I want to say Tony Tata was from there as well. I think so. Um, and also the home of Marcus Mariota. So um, people are kind of saying, hey, this is the next big, you know. That's the high school where they recruit the kids to. I mean, they, they go around all the islands and bring kids to play football there exactly that's the powerhouse program and and you know if you're if you're a big time prospect you're going to st louis and and uh you know tua i'm not going to even attempt his last name right now just 
you know, keep it with Tua. Uh, but uh, he picked up an early offer. And, you know, and Riley's staff, they do have a lot of connections on the island. So uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh Co- coached there for five years. Yeah, and- Tavita Thompson is is, is a, a big name. He's well tied in down there. He's and Ro- a, Roman. Uh- Roman Sapulu uh, is, is from the island. So uh, there's there's a number of guys on the staff. You know, Mark Phillip is a Polynesian, um, you know, who, who has ties to the islands as well. So, um, you know, there's a number of ties to, to that area. And, you know, Nebraska is going to make a push to, to try and, you know, eventually open up that Polynesian pipeline. And one last thing here as we wrap up the show, Nate, uh, Matt Farniak visited practice this week. That was kind of a surprise. And uh, he's made four or five trips now to Lincoln in the last year. Uh, and uh, we go back to our old uh, Phil Amation saying, if you have a guy that makes repeat visits, number two, number three, number four, um, you're doing something right. And Matt Farniak brought his mother with him down to Lincoln. We know that she's a big part of the recruiting process. Um, and, you know, he wants to – I think the, the distance factor with Nebraska being so close to Sioux Falls, that has to be something the family's weighing heavily, even though he has offers from almost everyone in the country. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got 11 or 12 early offers from, you know, everyone from Nebraska. Florida State. Florida State, you know, Iowa, Oklahoma. I mean, uh, a lot of powerhouse programs, uh, you know, already on his offer list. And, uh, you know, his brother just graduated from Iowa State. Uh, his other brother is a senior at Oklahoma. Um, you know, in initially is kind of a disappointment, you know, that he's not going to be at the spring game, but uh, made that visit on Monday uh, to come down. And, and actually it was probably more beneficial that he came down on that Monday um, it, rather than go to the spring game. He's been to a game before. He knows what the atmosphere is like, but he was able to, to come down, uh, spend a lot of time with the coaching staff, um, you know, get to know uh, Mike Riley better, get to know uh, Coach Kavanaugh, get to see how these guys operate on the practice field, how they really are as coaches, how they teach guys. And, and most importantly, you know, have, have those guys develop a, a stronger relationship with his mother, who's, you know, mom is always key in the recruiting process. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition, our spring game edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Make sure you're back with us next week as we'll have a lot to talk about with the Red White spring game and recruiting and all the standouts. But thanks again to Nate Klaus and Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen as we put a close here on our fifth edition of the HOL podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 